a thirst. Last week we looked at a thirst for eternity. This week we're looking at a thirst for the Word of God. <clears throat> the day is really going well. I think about uh, I've already got an invitation somewhere to eat lunch today. I feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm batching it, and uh, me and Caleb, we got us the lunchtime, son. All right, got that covered. And then a Sunday school class gave me an early pastor appreciation gift. Got me a, a new air compressor this morning. Ah, ah, ah! More power. And uh, so uh, the old one, after almost 20 years, finally wore out. So just uh, thankful for that. You cannot, a man cannot have too many tools. And, uh, women, we don't need any opinions. So, and uh, so just kidding. And uh, just the too many tools. That's just like saying there's too many pockets. And uh, you can always have pockets. But that that's all good and fine. But when I think about the Word of God, and I think about how God works, a lot of times she's ready for pastor pals, and uh, we don't have any pastor pals. So there they are. I can find them. She's all grown up, and uh, so I think about pastor uh, pastor pals, and I think about the Word of God. There's the Word of God is powerful, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But because of our, whether it be society or people, and I was sitting there, I was praying while uh, Miss Betty was singing, because sometimes I, I know in my life and in all of our lives, we can, we can cloud the Word of God. Now, it doesn't mean it's less powerful, but whenever it's presented to people, whenever it's given to people, whenever you hand it to somebody, or, <clears throat> pardon me, or you speak it to somebody, because if I speak the Word of God and say, God loves you. Did you know the Bible says, for God so loved the world, and you quote or say it. But they say, well, I've seen the way you live your life. And you know, and, and now what that does is it clouds the Word of God. So what do I need to do? I've got to get self. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with uh, uh, you know, thinking about yourself. But in order for the Word of God to be powerful, we have to get self out of the way. Lifting Jesus up. Lifting the Word of God up. That's what it's all about this morning. Churches and doing different things and we sing. There's some churches that's all about entertainment. All about feel-good messages. Two of the most famous ones, uh, two of the most famous preachers that preach a watered-down gospel. And uh, to me, would be Joel Olstein, and also uh, there's one over in Thailand now. It's very popular, Joseph Prince. Both give you just enough to make you feel good, but they don't preach about sin, death, hell, the blood, and those are so important parts of the Word of God. It's all about just you know, of course, it it it's if you want to feel good. And uh, but you'll have to come back weekly for a pump up. Uh, just listen to their sermons. I've listened to them, and and they do. They give you just enough of the word of God, just so you won't uh, say they're unscriptural or heretic. But you've got to preach the whole thing from cover to cover, everything in there. And so we're going to take a look at some of this uh, this morning. And uh, so I want us to head, and you have a bulletin, or whether you're just following along 
uh, on the screen, either one. We're reading this morning out of the book of Amos, chapter 8, verse 11. Let's stand for the reading of God's holy word. Amos, chapter 8, and verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being able to read and hold and preach your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. To be able to speak this this morning, to be able to hold this this morning is a privilege. To be able to preach freely and not underground is a privilege. The Word of God. Many people, there's a lot of educated people out in the world, have tried to uh, denounce the Word of God. There's a and it's been attacked and maligned, but I want to call our, your attention in this introductory part to a 1980 Supreme Court case of Stone versus Graham. This is a Kentucky school district in which the they had a law that the Ten Commandments will be posted. And I remember whenever I was growing up that even in, after this decision... Uh, Huntington High School in Huntington, Texas, we refused to take it down. <laughs> and it just have to be another lawsuit because this came about in 1980 that uh, the, the Ten Commandments could not be uh, posted. Uh, and there were other decisions. There's been a bunch of, I've just pulled this one out, there's a bunch of Supreme Court decisions, the uh, uh, 1963 decision, other decisions taking that prayer out of school, taking the reading the Bible out of school. The Word of God is systematically being eliminated from our society, and today we are no longer a Christian nation. We were started as one, but we are a secular nation. It's all about economics. It's all about uh, the dollar. It's all about pleasure. And it's, I mean, all, and it's kind of like a, a and this tonight's message, it'll be a, a short one. I know we have business meeting. Uh, we're going to have a video of an implosion. An implosion is pretty neat deal. I love to see a building imploded. Uh, you will t- all you do is take some dynamite and you put it on the uh, certain pillars of a building, uh, concrete foundations. We're going to see this happen tonight <laughs> on a video, not an actual building. And uh, all you do, and what will happen is you explode those foundational supports, and there will be a pause. And all of a sudden, the building will collapse on itself under its own weight, and gravity takes over. And uh, that's where our nation is today. The pillars are being removed. The pillars in our country, the Word of God and prayer and Bible reading and Bible study. Get this. In the majority opinion of this case, get this. Now, uh, Judge Rehnquist, if I'm saying his name correctly, posted the minority opinion. That's the judges who got outvoted five to four. 
But the majority opinion said this, if the posted copies of the Ten Commandments are to have any effect at all, it will be, this is if they're on the, the walls, to induce the school children to read, meditate upon, perhaps to venerate and obey the commandments. Well, oh my goodness, we're taking these commandments and so we should warn our kids to not steal, not lie, not commit adultery. You know, Lord, help us to obey and to believe in God. And so, but those things are being removed. It was about 16 years later in Paducah, Kentucky, where we had the first of several school shootings where a young person walked in and opened fire in that school system in Paducah, Kentucky. And that, hey, what happened to the commandments? You remove thou shalt not kill, and you just all you're doing is throwing gas on a fire. And we and basically we live in that society now. People want to blame guns, people want to blame what about, you know, Christians not standing up? Folks, the Word of God and upholding the Word of God, we have kept silent long enough. We need to let our opinion heard. Uh, let your opinion be heard in the ballot box. Vote for people who have Christian morals, Christian ideals, people who actually might believe in the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with it. It's the way our country got here in the first place was people had a voice. People stood up. People said, I'm not going to stand for a government gone crazy. And so our country was formed in 1776 by people who had those ideals and people who had those uh, principles, if you will, Still, you know, thinking about the Bible, it's been attacked, it's been burned, it's been banned. It's still the number one bestseller of all. All of these things, the Word of God is is illegal. I mean, in certain countries, you can go to jail or lose your life. Uh, the next picture is pretty cool. This is a thing that's happening right now all over the border between southern Korea and North Korea. Christians over there, you know what they do? They can't, they try to smuggle. Did you know the Bible? You think dope and heroin and all this, the number one contraband. The Word of God is probably the number one contraband on the planet. Maybe not in dollar values, but as far as bulk items, the Word of God. This is what they do to safely get the Word of God. They catch the wind blowing north to northeast, and they'll inflate these eight to ten foot weather balloons, and they'll load it up with Bibles. And they'll send them over whenever, and guess what? And a lot of times people will see those, they eventually land, and uh, people, they'll shoot them down or something like that. They get the Word of God to the North Koreans. You know, these Christians, I mean, their their brains work and they're thinking, how can I get the Word of God to people? That's pretty cool. And, you know, seeing something like that, anything it takes, I mean, just, that's redneck and Asian style right there, amen? That's redneck Asian style. How can I get the Word of God over? Dig a tunnel, go under, shoot it over, ever what it takes. Get a bow and arrow. We got some archery teams, let's shoot the Word of God somewhere. Attach the Word of God to it. I'll never forget, uh, we would, uh, in Vacation Bible School, First Baptist Church, Wells, Texas, what we would do is, is we'd have all the kids make a card 
and uh, I took in this card would be laminated, weatherproof. We'd stick the memory verse on there. We would helium balloons as a big deal of the kids, and we would send it up somehow or another. The word of God would land. I got a card in the mail. I brought it to church. I couldn't believe it, and it was down here in Bastrop, Louisiana. All the way from East Texas, my balloon sailed. I had streamlined and cut my car to make it as light as possible, the least amount of string possible to not weigh that balloon down. And so that balloon sailed all the way from Wells, Texas. That's over there near Lufkin, Texas, if you know where that is. And sailed all the way over to Bastrop, Louisiana. The and of course, on the front, it had our memory verse card. On the back, it had the First Baptist Church and our uh, P.O. Box 491. Still remember it. And uh, so and it had all that on there, and they sent us back. We were out riding our four-wheeler and found your car just letting you know we go to church. We love the Lord. And so that was neat to get that kind of thing reciprocated to us. It just depends on which way the wind's blowing, I guess. Folks, the Word of God is amazing. The beauty of the Word of God. We think about the, the, the facts of the Word of God. The Bible is amazing. All of these awesome things, 66 books by about 40 different people who some of them never met each other. I mean, over a 1,500-year period of time. And there will come along some scientist or Ph.D. fella. There will come along somebody that thinks they're smart. And they can. And folks, listen to this. The Bible's been banned. It's been burned. It's been uh, 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 confiscated, picked up, trounced, and everything else. And people still haven't been able to prove it wrong. Haven't been able to find an error in it. They may find a contradiction, but when you study out the contradiction, you found out all it was is the person reading it was just mistaken about something. I've, there are some things in the Bible that seemingly might contradict one another. You look it up and you find out and say, oh, well, this is talking about this one and this is talking about this one, or this is only talking about the other thing like numbers of horses belonging to Solomon. And they'll come up with ideas like that, and, and it counted over here. Well, that was just as stables at Megiddo or someplace like that, which is really cool. Got to visit there. That was really neat. But the fact of the Word of God is, is that nobody has ever proven it wrong. But folks, it's more than just paper and ink. The Word of God is not just paper and ink. The fact of it is, it's a living book. It's a living book. Matter of fact, let's look at some the purpose of it real quick. In John 6 and 68, this is uh, you can't get any better than this. Jesus was saying, well, y'all going to stay with me? You know, there's people not coming to church anymore. There's people that, that uh, they're too busy to come to church anymore. And uh, well, guess what Peter said? Boy, he sums it up in his redneck vocabulary. What does he say? Well, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Amen. So where do we get the words of eternal life? From the Bible. That's where we get them. And then, of course, these famous verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration. Let me just pause there. You know what that means? Some of you do. Inspiration is God-breathed. That's all it means. 
You say an artist is inspired, it means it came out of him. It came out of him. Is God inspired? It means the words in this book came from God. That's what it means, inspired. And so, all these words, all scriptures given by inspiration out of God. That's what it means. God breathed. And then it says it's profitable for teaching stuff, for telling you what not to do, for telling you how to do it. That's what all this is. Instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect. That just means mature. Nobody in here is perfect. There's only been one person ever be perfect. This perfect just means mature in the Lord. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, what can the Bible do? This is pretty interesting. What can the Bible do? In Hebrews chapter 4, that kind of told you what it is. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder and soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Boy, that's a, that's a lot. So what can it do? It can pierce you. So, whenever I'm talking to somebody about the Lord, where God wants to be, if you're not saved, the Lord, we say this. Now, obviously the Lord doesn't come into your blood pumping muscle. He comes into your life. He becomes a part of you, but you have to invite Him in. The Lord is not going in. To, you know, I love it the way it says it in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open and let, let me in, I will come in and sup with him. It just means fellowship and all of that. That's a great invitation verse. So what do I do to best to get you to hear about Jesus? To let God into your life. What's the best way to do it? God could take a bulldozer and just bull down the door to your heart. <laughs> but He's not because He loves you and it's your choice. So guess what He does? He takes the Word of God and He prods, He pokes, He says, Hey, listen, I'm here. The Word of God is sharp. It pierces. And that means it convicts. It's living. You know, and it's a great, this awesome book is awesome. How many of you... <clears throat> I hate it when this happens. Now, Karen's on this training weekend, and we're fixing to join up over there, Bog Springs. Next camp is a great teen camp that's been started. This is our second year. We went up last year. From last year's total, we've gone up over 150 students. We're going to have over 500 students at this particular teen camp. And uh, so it's just going to be great. Looking forward to it. She's over there getting trained. So if I want her to know this, I'll tell her, okay? All right. But I hate it whenever, I know this probably doesn't happen to any guys in here. I'll be looking for something in the closet. And, uh, Karen, where is my purple shirt? Where's my, I hung it up right there in the middle of your closet where your dress shirts are. I can't find it anywhere. It's not in the closet. And I'm vehement about it, okay? And what does she do? It's right here. I hate it when that happens. You know, or she'll tell me to look for, you know, my Dallas Cowboy coffee cup or something. It's right there, you know. 
Has anybody seen it? Caleb, what have you done with my Dallas Cowboy coffee cup? You know, you know, if my tools are missing or if anything's missing, I'm going to see Caleb first, all right? You know, he's using all my stuff. If y'all have an extra set of tools, would y'all please give it to him so he'll stop using mine? You know, and so, but anyway, I'm looking for something. I'm looking and I, and it's right there in front of me. God has given women this special ability to find stuff that we can't see with our eyes wide open. I mean, it's right there. And of course, all, what does she say? All you had to do was move this, and it's right there. I hate it when that happens. I, I thought I looked there, okay? Y'all don't tell her that, okay? Just because she prides herself in being able to find anything like that. But y'all know the Bible's that way? You can read it and read it and read it and read it and look at it. You know why this happens? It's a living book. It's alive. It's quick. That means living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It can cut both ways. And you can read it and all of a sudden you see something that wasn't there before. It's kind of like God has that same gift. And He'll say, all you had to do was move this over. And it was right there all along. Just slide your clothes out of the way, Michael. That's what Karen says to me. Just all you got to do is move the hanger, and the word of God is that away. So you, if you're sitting there this morning and and you're just going through the, and I challenge people every year, it's never too late to begin to read the Bible. Some of you have followed through and you read the entire Bible in a year. Some of you get that track. But I don't care if you just read uh, uh, 365 verses. That's one verse a day. Except on leap year. Okay? That's, that's all. I mean, I mean, anything is better than nothing. Some of you can get devotional books. We have devotional books in church. So it is an amazing book what can it do it can do a lot the best thing it can do is it can change your life in acts chapter 4 and verse 4 it says how be it many of them which heard the word believed and the number of men was about 5000 when they what they do to get what they do to believe what does it say right there that they did to believe they heard the Word. When they heard the Word, are we telling anybody the Word of God? Well, what do we need to do? Well, let's just fly through these real quick. Y'all are doing great. Hang in there. Y'all are doing awesome. Okay? What, what do we need to do? Number one, mem- memorize it. Brother Michael, I'm... I'm I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. I don't need to be memorizing the Word of God. Hey, it prevents Alzheimer's, okay? <laughs> it prevents dementia. I mean, memorize, train your brain. You can, I'll start you out. John 11:35. Jesus wept. Boom. There you go. You memorized one this morning, okay? <laughs> you know, or you can go to the next shortest verse in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5:16. Rejoice evermore. <laughs> There's your two verses to memorize right there. You can, don't say you can't. Many of you got phone numbers. Before cell phones came out, some of y'all had 500 telephones memorized. We don't have to memorize anything anymore, do we? And uh, our brains are getting lazy. Some of these kids, y'all know kids today can't add? Not without these machines. You know, it's amazing to me. We can add, you know, I can just, we can do numbers in our head. But you can do it. Don't say you can't. 
Memorize the Word of God. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. And I didn't uh, read that. I quoted that. Okay? You got it memorized. Search it. I love this. Search it. John five thirty-eight. Just back up a couple of pages. What does that mean? Well, all it means, you know what, you know what that means right there? Boom. Watch this. Watch this. Real quick. Boom. Boom. <laughs> if you, you got to do that to search the Word of God. That's it. Just open it. I mean, get you a Sunday school book, or if your class doesn't use it, get you a commentary or something like that. Just amazing stuff. John 5.38 says this. <clears throat> and you have not His Word. Listen, hey, would 38 hit a lot of people in our church this morning? Folks, did y'all know sometimes this verse pounds me right on? You say, well, you're the preacher. You ought to just be oozing the Word of God. I like the way it's, uh, somebody said, Charles Spurgeon said about John Bunyan, and, uh, and who wrote the Pilgrim's Progress, and not Paul Bunyan, the folklore, but John Bunyan, and he says, if you cut him, he bleeds Scripture. Man, that fellow, in other words, he had it oozing out. He memorized it. He memorized it. You cut him, he's bleeding Scripture. This says here, you have not the Word abiding in you. 39, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So we need to search the Word of God. Just a little ways over in Acts, we're back to Acts. Here's what we should do. What else should we do? Acts 4.31 And when they had prayed, the place was shaken and where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the Word of God with boldness. That just means tell somebody up here. And I thank my four volunteers. We practiced that last Sunday night. Not that, you know, their parts were very long, but, you know, you had Miss Jan, who was the polite, politely telling you no, <laughs> you know, and then you had the busy mom, and definitely Miss Tabitha qualifies for that. She's busy in life, and two young'uns, and well, God bless them with another one on the way, and just a busy mom, and, and then you got Darren. Some people don't want to hear it. <laughs> they just don't want to hear it, and they just don't have time for it, and then you're going to have those who are interested. That's the ones you're looking for. But sometimes you've got to keep on and keep on proclaim it with boldness. And then we've got to actually want to hear it. Now, I know, folks, my wife, one of her favorite stories to tell about Caleb is... Uh, He's got some famous stories about listening to his daddy preach. One of the most famous ones is uh, she sat probably about where in the other church, when we moved here, he was in uh, first grade. So, I mean, he's, listening, he's not long from graduating now. About where O.L.'s at is the, the level where Karen sat uh, back. Everybody behind Karen and the two kids, Allie and Joe, of course, younger, they just started rolling laughing because as soon as I got up to start preach, to start my preaching, Caleb reaches up, rolls up two earplugs, and shoves them in and just sits there grinning, <laughs> facing the back row. And uh, so, you know, and so he just saying, I'm not having, I don't have to listen to daddy preach. 
I don't have to listen to Daddy preach, but did you know the Bible says that's one of the marks of a Christian is you do, you're interested in the Word of God, you want to hear the Word of God, you, you say, say, well, man, I don't know, but hey, listen, I think anybody, I think boring preaching ought to be a sin. <laughs> boring preaching should be a sin. Anybody that presents the Word of God needs to put their homework behind it, needs to put emphasis behind it. If John the Baptist can stand up and proclaim, repent! If Jesus can stand up, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, they proclaimed it with boldness. They proclaimed it with power. They, com- they proclaimed it with passion. And so I think we should too. We should want to hear it. And that's what it says in Acts 13, 7, uh, which says, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, that just means an intelligent guy, was called for Barnabas and desired what? To hear the word of God. And then lastly, Acts thirteen forty four, the Word of God says we need to send it. Acts thirteen forty four says this, And the next Sabbath day came the whole city together to hear the Word of God. You know what happened? They found a, church, they found a town with no church in it. And they said, hey, let's go preach on the marketplace. And everybody started coming out. Verse 45, and when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy because they were going to the synagogue and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming, which tells me this, when you stand up for the truth of this Bible, you're going to have people disagree with you. It's going to happen. That's it. It's going to happen. And that's it right there. Then 46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. We're not going to let that stop us. It was necessary that the Word of God should at first be spoken to the Jews, you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, imagine that. You say, I know how to get to heaven. People say, I don't want none of that. There's people actually do that. I worked with this fellow at the sawmill when I was a saw, uh, sawmill logyard foreman. And, this, uh, and I'd, I'd talk to him about the Lord. He just he replied, and he was serious. He said, Preacher, hell's getting hotter for me every day. Hell's getting hotter for me every day. And he just said, he just gave up. Just said, I'm going to hell and I know I just, I need to straighten my life out and give my life to Jesus. I said, why, why don't you? And then it goes on, verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord and as many as were ordained to eternal life. In other words, that were listening, believed, and the word of the Lord was published. It means sent out. Well, what are you going to do with the Word this morning? As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, this is it. This is the time what you're going to do. The Bible says in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Which means, that's kind of a weird verse by itself. But you skip on down to verse 14, and John 1.14 says this, The Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. A simple country boy definition of glory, the presence of God. People saw Jesus, they saw God in the flesh. And folks, when you read this right here, y'all know what this is? This is a written form of Jesus. This is a written form of Jesus. The Word 
became flesh. We beheld His glory. This is the only way into heaven. And it's not by keeping it, but by asking Him. First, before you can be saved, you've got to tell the Lord that you realize you're a sinner. You're mess- All of us are messed up. I'm a sinner. And I need you to save me. What will you do with Jesus?